Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm doing podcasts only this week, no YouTube video in terms of like me being in front of the camera because I just couldn't get my act together. It was one of those days and I was just like, you know what? This is who I am. Like I have to just, I'm not going to force it. I'm just going to do a podcast only. And I think like part of me is still trying to figure out the best cadence for recording, like best place in my apartment to record everything. Like I, I, I'm struggling. I even think that there is a siren in the background right now. I'm struggling a little bit. So hopefully it's not bothering you too much to hear any background noise. I hope that there isn't any background noise at all. Um, But here we are. So thanks for being patient with me as I figure out the YouTube life. I'm still in the air about whether it is the life for me, but I am happy to always put this content out there, even if I'm only doing a podcast only and my face won't necessarily be live and on camera. So this week, I just wanted to talk to you about a few things that are going on in my work life. So one of the reasons why it's going to be a super busy week is because I'm onboarding a new HR consultant. And if you've been listening for a while, this is probably the third time, second or third time that you're hearing me say that. And that is because it is a temporary role and it's been really hard to fill. It's been really hard to find someone committed to the role um, and just kind of willing to to be in a contract position. So finally, I have found someone else to support with the COVID processes and then other HR projects that I'm working on or leading. And I'm really expecting for her to be a great addition to the team. We don't know how long a position like this will be needed, considering we don't know how long COVID will be around. But I am looking forward to having help on my team again, because it's been tough. I mean, if again, if you've been listening, whether it's since the beginning of the podcast or at least the last few months, you know that it's been not so easy because of the impact of COVID. It doesn't stop. Our business doesn't stop. It's 24-7. So looking forward to having some help. But part of bringing her on is making sure that she gets appropriate training and onboarding. So she starts this week. Uh, Actually, it'll be her second day when this podcast episode is released. So I'm really looking forward to having a little bit more time put back into my day in the medium to long run, because obviously in the short run, onboarding takes a lot of time. But when it's done right and it's done well in the medium and long term, it is a huge time saver for me or the person training because now we have someone new who can kind of take on initiatives or things that typically were taking a lot of time. So I'm hoping that that means that I won't be working crazy hours as much. I won't be working on the weekends as much. And so I can invest that time in the podcast because I have a lot of goals, a lot of dreams, aspirations for this podcast. I really want to make it something that is like a business. So That takes time. It takes a lot of energy. And I want to be able to give you all the best content possible, too. For example, one of the things that I've been thinking about and something that my fiance has really been um, speaking to me about, too, is like 
YouTube is a great place to put those quick hot take type of videos. And I just don't have the capacity today to do that. But it's something that I want to do. I want to be able to give you quick recap type of content. So it's easy, maybe even bonus content on the podcast, anything on Instagram. If you've even followed me on Instagram, you'll probably notice that I haven't been able to go live in a while. I haven't really been able to post as much new, interesting content. And so I'm just keeping it real. This is something that I am super hyper aware about and want to really impact in the coming weeks. So last week I mentioned that I want to come back to this destigmatizing HR topic and I'm not going to do it all on this episode, but one of the things that I did want to mention ahead of having like a full recap of the very first episode that I launched on this podcast last year is that I think that every industry and every job has a stigma. And so it would be naive of me to think that only HR has this stigma because it certainly doesn't. And I bring this up because recently I was speaking with members on my team, like my colleagues, about some of the things that we're looking to improve upon, different opportunities that we have and things that we can do differently to become a more effective, more productive High, even higher performance team. And one of those things that came up was giving more regular feedback. And one of the things that I said was like, just do it. I mean, feedback doesn't have to be this negative thing. And it has this negative connotation for a reason, but it's not negative, it's neutral. And this made me think about why feedback has a negative connotation. And I think it's because it's only used or it's on the majority used to criticize or to critique. Whereas really, if someone is doing something really well, we should be acknowledging that just as often as if they're doing something that we need them to change or to do differently. And so I was thinking about this in the context of stigmas for HR, because if we've had a bad experience with an HR professional, then that does set the stage for what we expect other HR professionals to be like. Just like if someone gives us feedback in a way that's really unkind or potentially doesn't bring in a lot of facts or data, then it's not going to set the stage for you wanting to receive or being open to receive feedback. So I want to draw out this point a little bit more on a future episode, but I would also love to hear from you if you have some thoughts on even your own career or stigmas that you have developed over the years for different industries or jobs, job titles, we all have these stigmas or preconceived notions in our mind. And really it's similar to having unconscious bias because if we proceed or or go into a situation where we think something is going to happen just because of a prior experience or just because of who the person is or what they look like or what their name is or their job title. I mean, we're not really setting ourselves up for a successful conversation or productive relationship. So there's a lot of opportunity here on the interpersonal or quote unquote soft skills side of things. And soft skills, I mean, interpersonal skills are so not soft. They take so much maneuvering and so much work and so much energy. I wish that soft skills were seen like hard skills, like analytics because actually when you're not good at the relationship piece you're probably not going to be so successful in most circumstances today. So those are just some initial pieces of food for thought. 
I'd love for you to reach out to me on Instagram or through my email, which is linked in my bio, to just tell me about stigmas that you've encountered in your own role. Let me know what role you're in, what industry you're in, and let's have a conversation on this. I think that toward the end of May, I'm going to come back to this episode, and maybe we'll even talk about it on an Instagram Live. We'll see. As I have more time in my day and in my week, I'll definitely kind of flesh this out and think about how we can come back to this conversation. So one of the things that I wanted to really draw out on this episode is coming back to this notion of skills. And I'll answer some questions at the end that are specifically related to skills and and credentials and different things like that. But interestingly enough, the Human Times newsletter, which I have shared with you all before on a few episodes ago, They recently published um, an article that talks about how more employers are focusing on skills rather than credentials. And this is pretty much exactly what I'm trying to point out, that skills play a huge role in someone's ability to work or, or be on the job, let's say. And when I think about resumes that I've seen, when I think about my own experience as an HR professional, I find skills or skill experience with using certain skills to be so much more valuable than other potential credentials. So when I think about skills, some of the first ones that come to mind are the interpersonal skills, our relationship building skills, our skills or you know systems maybe that have been leveraged before. So let's say you are an HR professional and you have experience with UKG, which is an HRIS system. Ultipro slash Kronos, they've they've merged. And that is a skill to me, being able to know your way around a system or a tool like UKG is a skill set. Because when you think about entering onto the job, the more you know coming into it, the better in certain circumstances. And so when I think of skills compared to credentials, for example, it's like having a proven track record for being able to build relationships versus six years on the job. What does six years actually tell us? What does five years actually tell us? Can you speak to the behaviors or the things that you've done or how you act in certain scenarios that will help an employer or hiring manager to better understand what it is that you're going to bring to the table? So in the newsletter, and I will, as you know, link everything in the show notes, but this specifically is referenced with regard to degree requirements. And this, I think, is a super fascinating topic because there is always this question, I think it's an evergreen question, never dies, do people need a college degree to do certain jobs? And if you were to ask me about an HR job, if someone has had experience, maybe they started out as an admin and they've grown and they've grown and they've grown, but they never went to college... I don't know that they need a college degree. I don't actually even know if they need a college degree without that entry-level experience. Maybe it depends on the industry. Maybe it depends on the level of HR job, for example. But actually, if you have the tact and you have the the resourcefulness and you have the strategic like approach to things, I don't think that you need a college degree to do the things that an HR professional does day to day. Again, depending on what the job is. When I think of a payroll job, for example, can someone be able to learn on the job? Can they prove their knowledge through a a test or an exam before being hired? Maybe. 
And I would argue that if they can perform in a scenario that tests their knowledge and and their their aptitude for the role, that that potentially replaces the need for a degree. I mean, at this point in at least in the American culture, it almost feels like every single person needs to be college educated to get a job that they want. Let's not let's take trades out of it because obviously you can go to trade school, you can get your GED. There's so many things that you can do outside of college if you know that you don't want to go into a certain profession as it stands today. Because we also know that certain professions require college degrees. My job required a college degree, but I didn't think about it because I went to college because I knew that I was going to college. I didn't have in my mind, a different option, although there are certainly other options. And so I wonder if there was this shift in requirements that allowed people who didn't have a college degree or don't have a college degree to be considered for the opportunity. It begs the question of whether you actually need a college degree in order to place in what is considered like a corporate environment. Let's just generalize it in that way because certainly there are jobs that you don't need college degrees for even in like retail management you don't necessarily need a college degree especially if you grow from from uh, one position up the ranks I saw in my target experience a lot of people who never went to college who were highly successful managers in major target stores so I don't know. I don't know that I believe that everyone needs a college degree or that you even need a college degree to be a strong performer because actually when I think about what I do and what I learned in college and grad school, yes, are there certainly things that I use from those educational experiences in my day-to-day? Absolutely. But did I need the college degree? Did I need a graduate degree? Not necessarily. Actually, if you go back to one of my previous episodes, I think it was, I don't know, probably in the teens. It was before I hit 20 episodes for sure. I talked about how I earned my master's degree and someone asked me if it's necessary to have a master's, if it's necessary to have a certification in order to be an HR professional. And I was like, no, it's not. I went for my master's because I wanted to continue my education I wanted to have more than a bachelor's degree, and so I went. Was it an expensive decision? Yes. Did it take a lot of time? Yes. But did I want to do it? Also, yes. Like That was a personal decision, but I certainly didn't go to grad school because I thought that it was going to push me further in my career. Now, there are certain areas or positions in HR that do require or are more easily attained through or after receiving certifications. But again, I I think that resourcefulness and being able to learn without having a certification or a certain degree is totally possible. One of the things that actually came up over the weekend um, with my fiance and his family, our family, is that these days people, it seems at least on my end, that people want the answer to be given to them instead of looking for the answer themselves. And I know that this is a sweeping generalization, super self-aware on this point, but it's true. And it's true because I have to constantly push back on individuals who are asking me for the answer that is right in front of them. Instead of going to their resources, looking at the things that are available to them, I'll get an email or I'll get a call saying, hey, I need X, Y, or Z. Can you help me with this? And actually, 
I'm the middleman. You don't need me for any of that. You can just use your resources and go for it. And so, and get the answer, I should say. And so for me, when we think about what a college degree certification is supposed to do or expected to do in order for someone to be able to be in the running for certain jobs, it's like, well, doesn't, doesn't that educational experience teach you the things that jobs want you to have, like how to be resourceful, how to work with others, how to complete projects on time, how to you know, investigate or do research or whatever the, the job calls for. Like that's what college really is teaching. And so if you already have those skill sets or you have the ability to leverage those skill sets outside of earning a degree, shouldn't you be able to apply for that job? I would think so. Anyway, I, it's, I think it'll be interesting to see how society makes a shift if they make a shift, if we make a shift, who is society? I think we are society, but, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I do believe that the United States, because of the competitiveness, because of the capitalist environment, we're probably, it's, this is probably a reflection of our competitive drive and competitive nature, whether right or wrong. I could be wrong here, but that to me is probably one of the reasons why every every year things become more and more competitive colleges are more competitive people are now going for their masters or their phd's or they're getting double masters two masters degrees in the same or different fields because they're trying to become more and more competitive on the market and i mean at some point the bubble has to burst right not everyone can have a masters degree not everyone can have a doctorate not everyone can have a bachelor's degree even and so how do we maintain this sense of competitiveness without forcing people to go to college or to only create a one a single singular pathway because there isn't a singular pathway in anything in life and so shouldn't we be more open to people of different backgrounds again i think so next week i'm going to have a guest on the podcast super interesting guest his name is ron thurston and he wrote the book retail pride and we're actually going to dig in a bit into these elements of how people and their experiences are perceived and one of the things that we will definitely talk about is having non-traditional or differing work histories and how we should really appreciate those things. So I do think that this week having this conversation is a good setup for next week. I think you're going to really, really enjoy the conversation. He has all of these wonderful anecdotes about leadership that apply to retail leaders and non-retail leaders. So I'm excited for our conversation for you all to hear his words of wisdom and for us to break down the book a bit. When he sent it to me after I had reached out because he was on my friend Megan Hool's podcast. Her podcast is called Pivot with Purpose. If you haven't subscribed or checked it out yet, you certainly should. I just loved all of the ways that he thought about leadership differently. And this is kind of what I'm trying to get at today is that not everyone should or will come from the same background. And that's where the value is added, in my opinion. I switched from Target to a fashion retailer. I mean, those are two totally different types of retail. And I was, it was not easy. I was met with a lot of like questions around how are you going to make the transition? It's a different type of retail. But I have to tell you, it's not that different. We're leading people. We're leading teams. We're selling consumer goods. We're trying to be as high performing as humanly possible 
we are constantly approaching this conversation of retaining top talent. I mean, it's literally the same. The only thing that's different is what we sell. And for me, this is the biggest thing that I try to put out there is that just because you come from a different background or a different type of retailer or a different industry doesn't mean that you don't have the transferable skill set. So I've shared with you all in previous episodes that in other jobs that I've kind of applied for or expressed interest in throughout my my career, and they've always been in different industries, and I've always been met with so much pushback on, well, how are you going to transition from retail into this industry? And to me, it's like, why are people looking at things so close-mindedly? Like, I have transferable skill sets. Someone has transferable skill sets. That is where the magic happens. Having diversity of thought, I say this all the time on this podcast, having diversity of thought is where the magic happens when you have people from different backgrounds coming into your industry and really challenging the status quo. That's where progress is made. That's where growth happens. And so I'm really excited about next week. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, maybe this is the first episode you're listening to. Welcome. Definitely subscribe. Meet me back here next week when I'm speaking with Ron Thurston. And I will definitely make sure to um, give you the link next week on where you can purchase this book and read for yourself all of the things that I took away, all of the things that I really appreciated about leadership and how we could do things differently and appreciate people who bring different ideals and experiences to the table. So I said in the beginning of this episode that I was going to answer some questions that kind of come back to this topic of skills or skill sets. And recently I had a question from someone whose resume I was editing um, because I do that on the side. I do a little bit of, you know, I have a few side hustles here, people. And one of the questions she asked me was, what skill sets should I be portraying on my resume? Like when it says skills, what do I put there? And I was like, Literally any tool or system that you've used, you all know, again, if you've listened to the podcast, Microsoft Office is a given. If you don't know how to use Microsoft Word, you've got to get to your public library and and take a tutorial or something or watch YouTube. Generally speaking, most Americans are going to be advanced proficient in Microsoft Office. So listing every tool in Microsoft Office that you've used is redundant. But what specifically have you used? Have you used Adobe? Have you used UKG? Have you used Workday? Have you used Paycom? Have you used Legion? Like all of these different tools and systems. And maybe those of you who are listening to this have absolutely no idea which companies I'm naming, and that's okay. If you're not in the HR space, then yeah, maybe Adobe makes sense to you. Or maybe you've used other things like expense generators or or whatever those tools might look like. Maybe you've used Google Suite. Like those things are the tools, skills, systems that you want to list. And really the way that hiring works now is that there are a lot of keyword searches. So the more hot ticket words like those programs that certain employers are specifically looking for experience with, the more you use those accurately to to truly accurately depict what you've used because you don't want to just write names just because you used it once. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have this skill set. You list those things and hopefully the AI behind these applicant tracking systems, behind these companies that help recruiters find good matches for jobs will mean that you are then selected through those keyword searches. So that was what I said to her. She also asked, well, 
gosh, how do I frame my resume in a way that's eye-catching? And I think I said this on a previous episode. In my opinion, you put the title of your job ahead of the company that you worked for. And I've seen a lot of people do it in many different ways. My preference, the way that I always recommend whenever I'm editing someone's resume is that the job is the thing that catches the person's eye because it's the job that is most relevant based on what the recruiter is looking for. And for example, when I was coming from Target, I didn't use the term executive team leader, which is what internally Target used to define an HR manager or HR generalist. I said HR manager slash HR generalist because someone outside of Target is not going to have any idea what an executive team leader of HR even is or means. And so thinking about your resume through the lens of your audience is the best advice that I can give you. If you're sending your resume to an industry or a hiring manager in a different industry and you're worried that they're not going to first read your transferable skill sets, you need to adjust your resume to appeal to the industry type, the person reading your resume. And I've said this before too, that your resume is not necessarily a recap on the past. It's a reflection on the go forward on the future of what you want. And so when you think about how you recap your experience, you have to always put yourself in the shoes of the person reading your resume, the person that you expect to read your resume and what you want them to take away from your resume. So that said, I hope that some of those tips help you, especially if you're in the market for a new job, if you're trying to edit your resume. Um, And please feel free to reach out if you have any questions. I always try to save the last few minutes of every episode to answer questions that specifically are brought to me that I can hopefully answer for all of you because I'm sure that when one person has a question, dozens of you also have the same question. So thank you again for joining me for another week of the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening on a podcast channel. If you're listening on YouTube, Give this video a thumbs up, hit the notification bell, and make sure you also subscribe to my channel. From there, I will see you next week. If you are notified, if you're subscribed, you will see next week's amazing episode with Ron Thurston, author of Retail Pride, an experienced retail leader. Next week, we're going to have an amazing conversation, and I look forward to seeing you there. Bye.